I am here with Mike Anderson Jr. for the third ever Razorback Ology Talks episode. And Mike, thanks for coming out with me today. Dude, I'm excited, man. I, <laughs> I was telling my, my wife, I was like, man, I'm ready to go ahead and go do this podcast. And she was like, dude, we got to put the kids to bed. And I was like, all right, well, let me do that and then get to it. So, nah, fired up, man. Uh, you were telling me you have a three-month-old and what else you got? Three-month-old and a one-year-old. Turns two in, in May. Wow. Yeah, dude, life moves so fast. Mm-hmm. It happens so fast. So... So tell me about yourself. Tell me about growing up as a child. What what was life like for Mike Anderson Jr.? Um, I mean, life, basketball. I grew up here in Fayetteville. I grew up around um, Razorback sports, man. You know what I mean? Uh, all the way to about 16. 16 and, um, you know, go over some history. The, the whole Nolan-Richardson deal happened, and, and so we went to Alabama and all that. But, I mean – uh, growing up as Mike Anderson Jr., man, it wasn't anything too, too, too crazy, too out of ordinary. You know, I'm a coach's kid. Let me put it that way. Yeah. Always been a coach's kid. Mm-hmm. Always like, was, you know, I shared the man's name, so <clears throat> that that really, um, yeah, it always resonates, man. Always. And I was I was looking at your Twitter. It said you're a entrepreneur, a former athlete. Tell me about those two things. Uh, yeah, so I did play basketball. I played at Missouri, University of Mizzou. My dad was coached there. Um, finished up there. Played on an Elite Eight team. That was really neat, really fun, really good time. I was a GA, graduate assistant, for a couple of years after that, after I played. And then I came to Arkansas as a video coordinator. And, you know, it's one thing about coaching and and being especially college coaching man it's almost like you're a politician man and so I was just like it just got to the point where it just wasn't for me anymore and so you know I got a got a couple jobs I worked at the university worked up in the business department under underneath the AD and all that stuff and and that didn't do it for me either and and so that kind of spearheaded my my entrepreneurial journey and you know what I'm doing now as far as you know, you know I got my podcast and I do a radio show. I do um, podcast, radio show. I do my e-commerce. I moved to California to try to find you know find out a little bit more. So, kind of opened my eyes. I've been living in the South and Midwest my whole life, man. So I went out there and boy, it was an eye-opening experience, man. I, I saw so much and uh, it inspired me to come back and and be able to you know try to try to do my own thing around here. Yeah, so you've been you've been bouncing around from place to place. Um, yeah, obviously, you must love it in Northwest Arkansas. Is this your favorite place, in, at least? Oh, in- yeah. Man, and this is where all my friends are, and, yeah. you know, my, my people and everybody. And so I, um, I love Northwest Arkansas. Like, I really don't know a lot of other places. I would rather, like, raise my family. And you know it's just it's an incredible place. I mean, you know, you know as well as I do. You're here, and it's a special little place. A lot of people wouldn't really think that yeah. Northwest Arkansas is like like this. Like, I got friends who come in town. They're like, "Holy crap!" Like, is this this is so fun? Like, I didn't know like all this was in Arkansas, out of all places. You know, they're thinking they're gonna see like uh, 
hay, hay bales and cows and we got some of that too. But yeah, no, it's it, it's definitely definitely home for me. So who are who are some of your role models growing up? Growing up, um, my pop, Coach Richardson, um, those guys, man. I had always just wanted to be a coach. To tell the truth, I wanted to, to play ball, be a coach, and so you know that's kind of who I looked at when I what I was modeling my life, and and you know who I looked looked up to as far as what I wanted to maybe one day be or do, you know, things change and all that. But I still look, look you know, when you get older, you, you kind of look at things different. But those are still, you know, kind of my role models, still those people I, I look at, you know, obstacles, things that they have had to break through to get to where they are and what they have accomplished. So yeah. tell me, tell me a little bit about Nolan Richardson, you know, the young young fans like me that were born in two thousand, we we missed the prime of Razorback basketball. So, so tell me and uh, all the other younger listeners a little bit about Coach Richardson, his coaching style, what he was like outside the basketball court, things of that nature. Well, we'll just start with him in particular as a person. I mean, you won't find a more unselfish, more giving person than Coach Richardson, just tremendous human being. I mean, and the stories go on and on. I mean, I'm sure you've heard them. And and so, you know, just growing up with a guy like that and having him as a, a grandfather figure to pretty much, you know, his wife used to watch me when I was a kid. Like my mom used to go to work and she used to drop me off with Miss Rose and we call it Chayo. And so Chayo, she used to watch me at watch me at their house, and I mean, you know, it just it goes back so far. Such a just a tremendous human being, uh, funny, funny as hell, man. Just oh, in the stories, give me give me a story. Stories for days. I mean, um, for instance, I remember being a kid and being at basketball practice. Now this is back in the day, like when the media was allowed to actually watch practice. And so I'd be I'd be in there farting around. The side goals would be up. I'd be in there shooting around, and he used to look at me and be like, "Hey, hold the damn ball! Who's drilling the ball?" And I pick the ball up real quick and I like run away, go sit down real quick. And so just little things like that, man. With Coach Richardson uh, going to his house, them having a deer run through the through the house, and they called him Boy. Yeah, it was a deer. It was a real. Uh, it was a baby deer they found and they nursed him. And the deer used to come through the house. So Coach Richardson would have, you know, the player get-togethers at, at, at the ranch. And there'd be a deer just walking through there, like nothing. Not afraid of anybody, just just walking through there. You could pet the deer, everything. They called him Boy. <laughs> wow. A, bo- a, a deer named Boy yeah. just became the Richardson household pet. Oh, and, uh, yeah, there was a lot of pets, parakeets, parrots. Llamas, cows, horse. I mean, he had it all at the ranch. Still does. Really? Yeah, to that's, this day. That's super interesting. I, I never knew that about him. <laughs> oh, ne- yeah. Never would have guessed he'd have his own safari in his backyard. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's, it's crazy, man. Just out there, you know, riding four-wheelers and all that stuff, all the ponds to go fishing. That's why I learned how to fish. It's out there as ponds and all that stuff. So He's a pretty outdoors guy, it sounds like. Oh, yeah, he is. He is. You know, when you see him, he always has some... Some poop kickers, you know what I mean? Some <laughs> and so you gotta be like you gotta be like, coach, you know, you need to put on titty shoes and be like, all right. <laughs> cool. Well, let's go to the head coach of the hogs right now, Eric Musselman. Tell me what you thought of the hire, 
Um, give me if if you had any knowledge of him before he came here and what you think about him now. Um, I had known about Eric Musselman just through the through the years, coaching ranks. Has a very familiar name with people, you know, within the basketball industry. And so when they hired him, I was like, okay, that you know, this this might work. This this could work, definitely. You know, you got a guy who's been around the game. He knows it in and out, you know, in and out, you know, to a T. You hear him in his press conferences and how he, he kind of, you know, breaks things down every once in a while. And, 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 you know, his knowledge of the game is just is out of this world. And so, you know, very, very good hire. I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm pressed to, to see who better they could have really hired for the job. I know I remember when everything happened and, and Kevin Sampson was being mentioned and and I was like, ah, Kevin Sampson's all right, man. But, you know, Eric Musselman, I think, you know, in, in the way that he has kind of came in and, and embraced, you know, everything about, um, say, Twitter and everything about, you know, social media, being able to try to connect. And he's really making an effort to connect, which is what you have to do when you're here here in Arkansas. You have to connect with the fans. This is one this is one state, and we're, we're kind of together. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we, we, we root for the Hogs. Mm-hmm. You know, you might have a couple of people who say they're Red Wolf fans, but everybody knows it's oh. the Hogs when you come to Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think he's done a, a great job at, at trying to, uh, you know, connect that fan base and, and connect with them. And so I, I think that, you know, he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna be able to do some good things. He has mm-hmm. to, you know, and like I say, on my Twitter and my radio show. He's got some things to learn, but that's every coach. Every stop, you have to learn something different about where you are. So, What, what do you think some reasonable expectations f- should be for this fan base? You know, everybody's always crying about how we could always be one game better, two games better, in the Sweet 16, Elite 8, making the tournament, all this, so many expectations. What do you think are reasonable expectations for a guy like Musk coming in year one and in the future? Well, year one, man, you just you're just trying to get your bearings. Honestly, you're trying to get your bearings. You have a team, you know, a lot of guys that you inherited, and, and you know, some late guys that you brought in. And so, you know, with that, I always say it's rebuilding for a re- it's it's rebuilding for a reason. Not from the standpoint that the program was down per se, but it's just having to rebuild the program in your image and what you want. And so with Musselman. I look at, you know, him, first of all, you know, he's playing the way, you know, you hear him say, you know, he, he doesn't, depth is overrated, and he'll say things like that, and, you know, he's doing things his way, you know, he has a, a NBA brand per se, and I, I don't know, I, I'm still trying to figure out, you know, more about the basketball side of it, but I will say that, um, you know, he did a pretty good job with this team, got hit with a very bad injury midseason. And so, you know, realistically, you know, I think, you know, without trying to coach or, or sound like I'm coaching or anything, you know, maybe he could have been a game or two better. You know, I would have – there's some things that maybe I would have did a little bit differently, but, you know, I'm not I'm not the coach. I'm not the one making the money. I'm not making the decisions. It's an entirely different pressure than just, you know, chiming in from the sideline. That's something that I really understand. And so – um, as far as year one, you know, I think he's done done an all right job. The challenge is going to be in year two, 
is integrating the players, you know, the players that are here right now and then bringing in the new young guys and then also the red shirts. And so he has to meld all that together. And so even in year, you know, year two, I'm not looking, I'm not looking for anything too, too crazy, honestly, you know, uh, maybe you can make, make it to the tournament and, and I think that would be a great, a great benchmark for him in year two is to get back to the NCAA tournament and fill, and you know, fill the tournament team. Those young guys, they could take that experience and kind of move on with it, and and you know, go on to do better things. Plus, I mean, he has, you know, these guys are sophomores, man. Isaiah Joe, Desi Seals, um, yeah, you don't know if Mason's gonna come back, but he just won the Player of the Year. I mean, I mean. To, Sky's the limit of, of what you can can do. Now, actually putting it together and seeing how that goes, and you got to manage personalities and young guys. And it's one thing that I'm always um, cautious about, especially with um, University of Arkansas and Arkansas kids in particular, is all the noise. You know what I mean? It's all the noise around, and the noise. You know the. These are young kids, 18, 17, 18-year-olds, 18 man, and they're coming in, a lot of hype behind it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you're going to get some of that, and you're, and managing that is a little bit yeah. different. And so I'm curious to see what happens and how he manages everything. Yeah. So you mentioned there were some things along the line that you may have done differently. Um, and before we talk about that, I, I came across your name. I was, look, I was scrolling through Twitter one night. And there was one tweet you riled up a bunch of Hawkins. <laughs> I'm sure you re- can recall exactly the tweet. Um, it it went it went the way of something about the radio guys defending Muss with his last breath, and it was during the awful four game skid at Bud Walton. Um, so I guess piggybacking off that, what are some things that if you were the head coach of the Razorbacks, what you would have done differently to avoid that stretch? Well, and this is just me, just. Speaking on what I what I would have looked differently to do, I mean, I feel like the depth could have been developed a little bit earlier. You know, now you're throwing Ethan Henderson in there and you're starting him, and you know you had G. Tall Silla and you had you know a couple of guys who are playing, and you kind of you had a pretty soft non-conference schedule, so to speak. I mean. That has nothing to do with, you know, must scheduling or not. I mean, he probably had very little to do with that. A lot of that stuff is set up in the year year before. And so, you know, that's what I said. That's what I kind of, I mean, when I would have did something differently. Maybe I would have developed my depth a little bit because, you know, it's it's hard playing 37, 40 minutes a game, 37 minutes a game. And guys wear down, especially in the SEC. And I think that that's the learning curve that I think um, – Must is experiencing, so to speak, is, you know, it's hard to play guys that many minutes and then be effective all the way down the stretch. And so now you get to a point where, you know, you're in the SEC tournament. Maybe you want to make a run, Mm -hmm. but you haven't developed your depth enough. These guys could have got some meaningful reps in in games. And, you know, I had a lot of people, a lot of people, oh, man, it it was crazy. (laughs) It was crazy, but, you know. I know what I'm doing when when I when I let a tweet tweet off like that. I know what's gonna happen, especially with Razorback Nation on social media. Oh, oh. man, oh man, you, you're not gonna find you know too many more fan bases more passionate than Razorback, 
you know, Razorback Nation. Like I said, you know, everybody is 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 hogs, yeah. and so, you know, it, it kind of it, it came off. And man, I had radio guys kind of coming at me, and I, I mean, radio segments on me, dude. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm just laughing at myself, like, dang, I, you know, I didn't, I certainly expected the reaction, but wow, it kind of just exploded. But you know, that's that's all I really mean. I mean, beyond that. Who knows where the season goes, you know, if you can develop some depth. Develop your, you know, your front line. You're very thin. You're playing Jimmy Witt at the four. That wears a guy like Jimmy Witt down because, he, you know, he's a guard, man. He, he, you know, he's not the biggest guy in the world. You know, long arms, athletic, and you sure can take advantage of mismatches and so forth. But, yeah, man, uh, I knew I knew what I was getting into when I let that tweet off, and, and it, you know the reaction was was every bit and more of what I was expecting to come from it, and um, you know it, it's part of it. It's part of the game, man. It, it's part of of you know and you'll you'll figure it out soon enough when when your race backology takes off, and, and you know and and when I said to radio guys, you know I listened to. The radio, like I listen to sports radio, like everybody else. I, I like these shows, and you know sometimes I don't feel like they are as critical as they can be, so so to speak. Not as critical. I'm not really worried about being critical, but but you know, don't just say things just to pump people up and all that stuff. And that's one thing I can't stand. Like, if you're going to do this, be honest with it. Say it with your chest. You know what I mean? And that's why I always say, say it with your chest, man. Like, you know, I give credit where credit is due, and I just tell the truth, and I tell it how I see it. And so, you know, I just noticed, you know, these guys kind of, you know, they're kind of not taking it easy. I don't I don't categorize anything, taking it easy or any of that stuff, because their job isn't to be hard on anybody. Their job is to, you know, report things how they see, in my opinion. So, yeah, that's that's what I meant when I said all that. And, <laughs> yep, that, that's that's the gist of it, man. I, I, yeah, I got them going. Yeah, it, it, caused, it caused quite a stir, to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do think, looking back, the, the previous staff to this staff, one of the things that's really different is the depth I mean with under under your dad it was playing nine guys switching guys in and out running constantly and with this one I mean there was a stat I think hogstats.com tweeted it but three of the top four minutes per year ever played is on this team alone yeah and it just goes to show these guys are playing some serious minutes oh serious minutes man it's something that you know maybe it maybe it could have worked in Nevada and in the other professional leagues but in the SEC it's it's, it's big boy ball big boys playing 37 38 40 minutes a game we'll, we'll see yeah. that that's that's and that's how I see it but you know I I'm in a frame of mind to think that you know he'll have adjustments he'll feel like he'll have more more guys to play next year more more depth and so you know I honestly think he'll get up to eight eight guys eight nine guys that he feels like he can count on because man, you know, you got a top five class coming in. Like those kids, those kids got to play. They got to get out there and, and play. And I always say practice reps are different than game reps. See, when that popcorn is popping and the hot hot dogs are rolling, man, it's a little bit different than you know practicing in front of nobody in, in your home gym in front of coach and all that. And so, 
those game reps are very, very meaningful. And so it's going to be interesting. Like I said, year two, it's going to be interesting. I think year three, you have a chance to be really, really special. Really special. You know, so. Ethan Ethan Henderson's one of those guys, too, that as it just seems like as the season grew older and the more minutes he got, he just kept on getting better and better. And the thought came to my head one day, what if he was playing a few minutes in November and December? And it's instead he just seemed to burst onto the scene in late January, early February. And that's that's one of the depth things you mentioned. Like as we're looking at the SEC tournament, they got to win, I mean – at least three, maybe even four or five games. And oh, no, they got to win the whole – yeah, man. They got to win the whole thing, you know, to, to even, you know, get into the, the NCAA tournament, which, you know, and I think for this year you, you take the NIT and, and, and you embrace that and take the postseason play. I know some guys played it last year, so they're probably like, ah, we got to do this again. But, you know, it's just part of the process. And so, yeah, I do. I think a guy like Ethan, athletic freak, long arms can jump through the, jump through the roof. I mean, this guy was recruited by a lot of a lot of you know places, and you know even a guy like, and you know Reggie Cheney came in late. You know he was suspended for uh, an amount of time, and and so just looking at that and looking at it in that context, I'm just like, man, you know, if if only you know you. you dev- tried to, you know, maybe put these guys in the fire a little bit more earlier, and then maybe they would have gained some some valuable lessons that would have helped you down the road, you know, to where you're not getting beat up as bad on the boards or, you know, these guys, they learn how to battle. I mean, you learn how to battle when you're in there with the, with the big boys. And so that's kind of my premise, you know. It's not all about the style and all that stuff, man. You know, I understand that Coach, Coach Anderson, he runs a completely different style, but – I'm just thinking from a basketball, you know, I'm a basketball junkie, man. I, I eat this up. Like, this is what I, I've, I've, you know, I can't even get away with it, away from it, even if I try. You know, I'm always watching basketball, and I'm just like, okay, well, maybe they, they could do this better. They could do that better. I mean, you got to ask my dad. I talk to my, when I talk to my dad, is he goes, hey, Coach Mike. <laughs> hey, Coach Mike. Because <laughs> I'm like, man, Coach, you could have, man, you could have did this better. You could have did this better. And I'm just saying, blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, I'm like that with everything. I'm just – I'm a basketball fanatic, man. I love the game. And, you know, much like Musselman grew up around it, I grew up around it. And so, you know, I, I share that in common with him. And so that's one thing I like about him. Like, you know, we share that in common for sure. Yeah. So let's – give me give me the perfect – you're going to make a perfect SEC tournament bracket mm-hmm. starting with Arkansas and the Commodores tomorrow night at 8 o'clock in Nashville. Go with the Hogs. The Hogs. All right, that, one, yeah, that, one's, sure. that one's pretty easy. Yeah, yeah. And then we got Arkansas, South Carolina, day two. Man, coming off that game, depending on how that Vanderbilt game is. And that's the thing about Vanderbilt, man. It's weird when you're in Nashville, you're playing, and, you know, they're going to have a couple fans in there. And so the games, it, it's crazy how tight they get, especially those first games. Everybody's fired up to play. And so if they get past, I mean, you know, if they get past Vanderbilt, I look at them taking, taking it to South Carolina. South Carolina, they foul a lot. They're very physical. Not the Hogs' forte. That's the only thing that, you know, if I'm a Hog fan, I'm looking like, man, they are physical, man. And, you know, they actually have been playing some okay basketball in conference play. And so that game is going to be a, 
it's gonna be a tough one, man. It's gonna be a tough one. And I don't know. I don't know, man. You got you got to give me Arkansas or the Gamecocks. What do you got? As a as the most honest radio show host, I'm gonna have to go. <sighs> Arkansas is shooters, man. Shooters will get you through it. I'm telling you, they will get you through some tough times. And you know, I think they got they have some a little bit to prove. And so I go with the Hogs, man. I'm not sold on South Carolina. You know, I think they won some some fluke games. I, I'm not very very sold on them. Hawks should have beat them at home. They played a played a pretty bad game, and so I'm looking for the Hogs to go ahead and get get past that round as well. And that's that's me being honest. Now I'm not you know I'm not blowing smoke up anybody's butt or anything, man. That's that's all. That that's kind of the way I look at it. And then Will Wade, LSU, is that is that where it ends? Yeah, I think the Hogs gonna be petered out by that time, man. And that's 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 where the depth comes in. Yeah. Talent wise, if 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 they get two three days rest in between these games, even a day rest, I'd I'd feel a little more confident about them. But having to win five games in five days with yeah. three guys playing thirty five, thirty seven, forty minutes, I I that's asking quite that's a lot. That's a tremendous task. It's a tremendous task, and you know. A couple of teams have tried and even gotten pretty close, but man, I, I just think the buck start stops there. Man, you got LSU coming off their first game; they got a little rhythm, or uh, no, actually, they got the double bye, yep. and so you know they're catching them off a double bye. And I mean, they're fresh; they're ready to go. And so, you know, I think that you know you you're going to be able to withstand the beating and the physicality physicality of South Carolina one game. Can you do it two times in a row? Yeah. That's where it gets hairy for me, and I, I don't think they make it past uh, LSU. Let's switch gears to the Big East. Um, how has the transition for your dad been to St. John's? What are some things you like about the Queens? How, how have you been to some games? Just tell me about it. Yeah, um, his transition is going good. And being just seeing him in a, a different environment than the South and the Midwest – you know, it's almost like he has – he kind of caught his breath and he just kind of was like, man, this is a tremendous opportunity. And, yeah, it kind of re-energized, you know, re-energized that part about him that was like, okay. And so I think he, he, he said something in the, pre, in the, uh, in the pre-conference press conference. He said, you know, for all the haters – and, you know, he said for all the haters, you know, I might be a country boy, city boy, but I love New York. And, I mean, it's true, man. You know, I've been in New York twice now since he's been there. I've been up there – I went up there New Year's Eve for the Butler game, and I went to go watch that game. And then I went up there for um, – I just got back, actually, this last weekend. I went up there for the Marquette game. And, yeah, I was in the garden, man. That's awesome, man. Being in the garden is just – it's something else. I can't wait till they actually fill it up. Yeah. But, you know, um, very excited, man. It seems like their fan base is really excited about, you know, the direction of the program. And, and you know, they got some good kids. And they, they got some good kids. They're going to bring in some more talent next year. And, you know, it's just another rebuilding job, man. Yeah. Is he uh, – I remember he had that stat. It was, it was probably my most favorite stat of his. And it flashed across the TV screen every game. <laughs> but he's one of three coaches that's never had a – Losing record in the regular season, I think that's I think that held up for another year, didn't it? I I, I think they gotta get past Georgetown tomorrow to really make it. So are they? Well, 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 listen, no. Say if they they don't get past Georgetown tomorrow, yeah. 
and the season is actually over, they don't get to the NIT or they don't go to postseason, then, yeah, I mean, it holds up. Yeah, so because they're – what are they right now, 16-15? Uh, yeah, 16-15. And the the stat is they have to have a winning record or cannot not have a losing record? Well, it's the 500. He's never been below 500. Never been below 500. Uh-huh. So you just got to stay 500. 500, man. Not, no losing seasons. Well, so, I mean, we, we got the Big East tournament bracket out in front of us. They got Georgetown March 11th, which is tomorrow. Right. So, do you know what time that game's tipping off? Uh, 6 p.m. Central Time. 6 p.m. So, you'll be, you'll be going from the St. John's to the Hog game? Is that yeah. what your t- oh, yeah. time oh, yeah. is going to look like? Oh, for sure. Right on. So, can they get past Georgetown? Yeah, they get past Georgetown. All right, so that'll put them two games above 500. Yes. And then, say they drop the Creighton one. They'll still be one game over 500. Right. And then, are we thinking NIT bid for the Johnnies? Maybe, yeah. Maybe. I mean, do you have a significant amount of quad one wins? You know, your net's not going to be that bad. Georgetown's going to be another quad one win. And so, yeah, I mean, you would definitely look, look at it that way. And and that's that's the way I would kind of break it down is, is that way. And so you just never know, man. You never know. And they just got off whooping Creighton. So it's going to be interesting if they can get past that first game. That first game is big because they didn't beat Georgetown this year. As a matter of fact, they played the worst game at Georgetown, and then they lost a heartbreaker there by 17, and Georgetown came back in the garden and beat them. Yeah, and so, you know, I think they're going to be ready for this game. They just, you know, came off a win against Marquette in the garden, literally. And so, you know, it's like you get to go back and play in the place that you just got to play. That actually is your leg up in this whole thing. So they're – I'm still stuck on that stat. Basically, if they win this game, the Georgetown game, there'll be two games over 500, and yeah. they should be golden. They should be golden. They Man, should. That's that's phenomenal. That is that's like the coolest stat. It's who is it? It's him, Mark Few, and him, Mark is it Few, Roy Tom, Williams? It's Tom Izzo. It's Izzo. Is Izzo. Izzo. Yeah. Is it three of them or four of them? It's three of them now. It was Roy Williams was in there, but not this year. Yeah. So Roy, Roy Williams dropped off. Yeah, so I mean, you look at it, and I mean, that's that's a that's a heck of a of a three coach I mean, trio right there. And you know, these guys have been the final fours and all that stuff, which is to say, you know, Coach A isn't done yet. Maybe he makes it there, maybe he doesn't. But I mean, that is tremendous to be, you know, in the same breath as these these guys as far as coaching and and to be doing it for you know seventeen, eighteen years, man. And so, you know, yeah, for sure. I mean, people are like, yeah, I'm tired of stat. And I'm like, no, nah, it's, a, it's a very real stat. Like, you know, you try it. You, and in the years that he's 500, for instance, 2016 here, that was the year uh, Ted Capita didn't make it. Uh, they had that recruiting class that just, it kind of just, just went down the, the tubes. And so, you know, he was shorthanded. One of his best coaching jobs ever. This year, it's been one of his best coaching jobs ever because he's had to make the most adjustments. You know, he's been playing small ball as well. He has a, he doesn't have a lot of height, and so you know he has a six seven freshman starting at center right now, and the kid is really good. It actually, has really come on, and so um, yeah, man. I mean, it's just a tremendous it's a tremendous thing you know to have associated with your career thus far. Yeah, so let's compare the two conferences, the Big East and the SEC. I was 
I listened to Joe Lenardi um, on his show, and he was saying he doesn't think the SEC is, or at least this year, is a really impressive league, and it's it's looking like it's going to be a four bid league. And then Calipari's out there saying that the SEC deserves to be like a six, seven, eight bid league. Yeah, Calipari, man, I want to know what he's been drinking, man. Like, just be just be real. He's I mean, he's supposed to say that. Yeah. You know, he is a representation a, a representation of the a representative of the SEC, so to speak. And so, yeah, he's supposed to say that. But I'm like, ah, it's a down year in the SEC, man. It's a, you know, it's a down year. Whereas the Big East this year was a grind, a beast. I mean, it was a beast, dude, all the way through it. Uh, you even look like some of the, the teams that had rough rough um, pre Pre-conference seasons like Providence and um, Providence, for example, and here they are. They're reeling off games, and they're the four seed. Like they're going to the tournament again. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, yeah, I mean Nova. You got Villanova. You got, and you play all these teams twice. Villanova, Seton Hall. They're having a great year. I mean, historic year for season. Seton Hall, um, Xavier. They're always in the mix. Marquette, you know, good team. They're they're in the mix. Um, DePaul, they look like they're going to be a good team, and then they turn into DePaul again. And so, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, just you know, Butler has been having a, a a good season, and I mean, that's the thing, man. The Big East has been a grind this year, so to speak. And and so five, he got five wins out of it this year. And one thing I look at is like, you know, this little team he had this year kind of gave him fits. You know, they didn't win all their games, but they competed really well. And so it's kind of like you look at it just like Hawk fans look at it, man, and you it feels like you are never really out of a lot of games. And that's what you want to see, you know, going forward. And so, uh, yeah, man, no, the Big East this year, best conference in, in the country. Best con- You know, they're going to say the Big Ten, but I think the Big Ten's overrated. I think they'll get 11 teams in, and, and nine of them are going to lose in the first and second round. Seriously. You don't have much faith in the Badgers. They just got a number one seed in that conference. Oh, that's so crazy, man. I just hey, – maybe, you know, maybe they'll prove me wrong, man, but I'm I'm not high on the Big East or Big Ten. Let me put it that way. Who are who are some of your give me your favorite coach in the SEC and your least favorite coach in the SEC and for the for the latter that question I'm looking for all the dirty dark secrets you have about Calipari even about Will Wade Bruce Pearl um, I want to know all the recruiting scandals I want to know I want you to expose them I want the FBI reports to come out tomorrow morning but give me a favorite and least favorite. I mean, uh, my favorite coach, just my favorite one, uh, just personally, my favorite coach is Frank Martin, man. I love Frank Martin. He's a good dude. Just good dude all the way around. Frank, man, he, he's a, you know, we've know and we've been through battles with him in the Big 12. And so, you know, it's like we came to SEC, he came to SEC. And, uh, nah, he's a tremendous coach, uh, a great role model, and, you know, I mean, he coaches butt off. He didn't always. He didn't ever really have the talent like that. But man, uh, my favorite coach for sure. Like I don't have any, you know, anything against him. Uh, Rick Barnes is another one, man. I like Rick Barnes. Rick Barnes, is a good dude, uh, good coach. He's filled with a couple of real salty teams. 
Now, who I don't like? Yeah, yeah. Everybody else. <laughs> everybody else. Even, literally. Even the new guys, Stackhouse, Owens. Okay, I have nothing against Stack. I have nothing against Stackhouse. Stackhouse, good guy. Uh, Nate Oates, don't know anything about him. So. Buzz Williams. Buzz, I hate Buzz. You hate I, Buzz. I hate Buzz. Oh, I was gonna, I was gonna tell you if if I had a vote for the SEC Coach of the Year, my vote would have went to Buzz. Buzz had a good season. He gets the Coach of the Year for sure, but that doesn't mean I have to like him. <laughs> why, why don't you like Buzz? So a little story about Buzz Williams. When we were at Missouri, our Elite Eight year, we played at Marquette in the second round. Buzz, and so you know, very tight contested game. Went down to the final seconds, and the situation happened. And you see the free throw, the free throw rule now, where a guy gets hurt or he can't shoot the free throws, and the opposing coach gets to pick out the free throw shooter. That was from our game. It was not. That was from our game. Oh my! God. What well, year? What year? What this year? was two thousand and nine. Oh nine. Oh nine. Wow. Yeah. So, so it's like the buzz rule. Uh, pretty much. Yeah. Wow. And so my teammate. Uh, JT Tiller, I mean, one of the toughest guys around, dude. He played, you know, he played most of the season with a broken wrist, ligaments in his wrist, and 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 held off surgery, held off everything all season. And so, you know, he had went up for a layup towards the end of the game, came down on his wrist wrong, and I mean, his wrist was sitting there hanging, dude. Like, couldn't shoot his free throws. And so, you know, the way the old rule was, coach could pick somebody off the bench, and so he picks. Coach A picks Kim Kim English, who's actually a, a assistant for Tennessee right now. My my uh my teammate Kimmy English, and Kimmy English comes in and nails both of the free throws, and so Buzz is huffing puffing. They lose the game, and we're going through the line, and Buzz says something called to the fact to call my teammate a a hole, and and pretty much kind of berated him in the in the after game handshake line. And so, ever since then, man, I just, I can't stand that dude. I can't stand him, man. Like, you know, Kibbs played it hard out. And, you know, uh, I, he would have shot the free throws if he could have. And, I mean, I only, you know, I think he, he did come back in the game to play defense. But, I mean, you know, that was that was a function of the rule. And so, why come at the kid? You know, this is a 21-year-old, uh, 20-year-old kid. And you're coming at him like that. And so, that's what kind of made me, like, Sour Buzz. I hate Buzz, man. I do. I, I can't tell. Are you a Buzz fan or not? You haven't, you haven't made it clear quite yet. <laughs> I think I said it, man. This, <laughs> I said, man, there's one person I do not want to – I do not – I hate seeing win. Like, I, I went to the game – I went to the Texas A&M game here uh, this year, the conference opener, mm. and I was so happy to beat Buzz. I was so happy. I was like, yeah, take your little three-piece suit and – and go off. He, he he's the he's the coach that just sweats through everything, right? Yeah, he does. If I remember, yeah, he does. Oh yeah, no, he's like he will turn a white dress shirt into a gray dress shirt <laughs> real fast. <laughs> Big facts. You're absolutely right. Yeah, no, dude sweats through everything. It's so funny, and so yeah, man, uh, yeah, Buzz. So guy. I'll give you the the finale. Question. I like Conzo too. Let me say that I like Conzo. I, I do like Conzo. Conzo's a good guy. Met Conzo a couple times at Missouri. Good guy. Anything about uh, Calipari? I for for myself, I don't I don't think he deserved the coach of the year. Is he a phenomenal coach? Yes. I this year I I think a couple guys deserved it over him. But what do you think about Cal? 
I mean, cow is cow, man. Like, you know, and it was so funny, man. We've been battling cow since he was at Memphis and we were at UAB. You know, I, I actually, I redshirted a year at UAB. My first year, I redshirted. And so, yeah, no, we played against Cal and all that, man. And Cal's just loud mouth, man. He's always crying and he's whining to the refs. And, you know, it'll be like, oh, man, you know, they're hitting and slapping us. And I just told my guys we got to play through the hits and slaps. And, okay, Cal, we get it, man. You know, like y'all don't foul or like you, you don't do this. And so, yeah, you know, I, I, I know a couple things about Cal and all that. And, or, or, you know, just – how the machine works for Cal, so to so to speak, and I mean Kentucky's a machine, man. Just the way they they recruit and and how things get done and how they you know they funnel in these these five stars every year, and so you know it, it's it's very interesting, man. You know, not a not as strong as a dislike for Buzz, <laughs> but yeah, I'm not I'm not a super big Cal Calipari fan yeah. at all. Yeah, well, that makes two of us, but. For the for the last question of this podcast, I, I got to ask a hypothetical, which in a few weeks could turn out to be true. The Hogs and St. John's both make the NIT. Oh, man. All right. Arkansas say they're a one seed. St. John's ends up as a four or five. They end up meeting in the second round in Bud Walton. Who, who are you rooting for? I think I know the answer, oh, who, but I wanted oh, to pose no, the question. No, 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 no. I mean, you know who I'm rooting for. I'm rooting for St. John's all the way. i I think I won my St. John's hoodie to the Hog game, as a matter of fact. It happened on accident, okay? Like, it was an accidental thing. I left my other sweatshirt. I'd been wearing my, my gear all day, and I was like, well, got to go. Got to go, go in there. And I just so happened to be sitting, like, in the second row, like, behind Gucci row. I was, like, right there. And so it was pretty funny. It was pretty funny, man. My, my friends gave me a lot, of, a lot of crap about it or whatever, and – um. Yeah, no, you know, you gotta roll with the, you gotta roll, you gotta roll with, with, with pops, man. Ah, uh, yeah, I, I don't blame you. So who would who would win the game then? I I think I know who would win the game, and you I, know what that it be it would be it would be the most packed nit game in Arkansas in in, in Arkansas history. Can you imagine? I, you want to talk about nineteen thousand two hundred? It would be an unbelievable atmosphere. It'd be a battle. It would. It'd be a battle. It'd be a battle. It'd be a battle. And you know, I, I just give the I would give the winning nod to the Hawks just for the fact that they're playing in Bud Walton, and I know the advantage that Bud Walton brings. And I mean, Bud Walton is worth ten points. Worth ten points on you know against anybody. You know, it's like add ten. <laughs> so. Cool. Well, I was if if you weren't going to say you're rooting for the Hawks, that was going to be my backup question to make sure that you thought the Hogs would win, just to just to throw that in there. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, let me put my realistic hat on. And yeah, no, I, I think that I think that the Hogs will win. I think it would be a battle. Oh, yeah. it, it'd be, it, it would be a battle, and I think it would, it would be one of those close contests, and it, it would go down to the wire, and I, I think the Hogs would, be able, would, would pull it out at home, you know, for the simple fact they're at home in front of their fans, and it's tough to win the Bill Walton like it is, so – so give a little give a little quick shout out to your radio station real fast and tell oh, tell the man. people to listen to it. Um, you know, you can catch our show, Man the Mike Show. It's me and Manny Watkins. My man Manny, former player. My man, he had a couple game winners for the Hogs, man. He he's a living legend right now. I, I always mess with him about that. 
But uh, no, nah, we, we go on every Sunday, 4 to 6. You can catch us on ESPN, uh, ESPN Northwest Arkansas, 99.5. or 95.3 down there in the River Valley. Every Sunday we're on there, and, you know, we're going to give you our, our takes. And like I said, man, I happen to think we're the most honest radio show on the, on the block, you know. Some people call themselves that, but I'm, I'm kind of stealing the mantle from them because I'm like, y'all aren't doing a good enough job at being as honest as you can be. So, But, yeah, you can catch us there, man. Cool. Well, Mike, man, I appreciate you coming on. Um, hopefully one of these days I'll maybe I'll get Manny on one of these and yeah. Uh, yeah, keep rolling through. But appreciate you coming on. Nah, I appreciate you having me, man. It's been fun. And uh, like I said, I, I was jazzed up to do it, man. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy you had me here, man. And uh, yeah, keep going. Keep going, man. You, you, you're going to have something going here soon. Thank you. Well, I'll be rooting for St. John's and obviously for the Hawks tomorrow, and hopefully we'll, we'll come out of tomorrow 2-0. There we go. There we go. Sounds good. Bye, buddy.